Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash better than the movie. Over 150 titles to choose from for your Android, iPhone, Kindle, or MP3 player. Once again, that's www.audibletrial.com slash better than the movie. Hi again, and welcome to Better Than the Movie. I am Jeanette, she's Tamika, and we are here talking books. How are you today, my friend? I'm doing okay. Having a great, relaxing, today is Sunday. My children have been gone for most of the weekend. So the turnip is real. The turnip is real. (laughs) Uninterrupted naps. Breakfast with just the two of us, you know. <laughs> Did have to spend a small fortune on clothes. It was like the last week or so. Like every time we'd leave the house, okay, guys, let's get dressed so we can go. Everybody's pants, both of their pants are high water. Like oh. all of their clothes no longer fit. It was so weird. Um, our children are just tall for their age, and mm-hmm. like Maze will be three in September, and he's already in four T's, and he's just they're just tall. So we um, spent a small fortune <laughs> buying them brand new clothes, a <laughs> lots of brand new clothes, and then we got rid of them. So, yeah, it's my weekend and my time. How about yourself? Uh, I am doing well. I am a little bit overwhelmed, but I'll get over it. Yeah. Yeah. So I started this coloring, this adult coloring thing. Oh, my right? God, it's so great. Right. This is book-related, right? Like coloring books? Okay. So <laughs> I went to the store thinking, you know, I saw some at Barnes & Noble, and they were way too expensive for what I wanted to spend on a coloring book, of course. So I was like, well, let me, you know, look around. And we went to Michael's, and they had a whole bunch that were a lot cheaper. And it was surprising to me. They had, like, a center display, and then all of the <clears throat> ones they had in their book section were sold out. And I was like, this is a thing. Yeah, it's all the rage now. It has been, i say, probably, like, for the past, like, 18 months I've been seeing them around. Yeah, and I just didn't know. So um, somebody on Twitter started a hashtag, like, hey, guys, let's do this together. It just really soothes you. And I was messing with that app that you um, told oh, me Oh, yeah, Colify. Yeah, and I really like that, even though I know it's a lot easier than coloring, but still, it was still very kind of soothing to sit there and make it make it do what it do. I really liked it, but so we'll see how that eases my inability to sit still and focus on <laughs> one thing at a time. Oh my gosh, every time this week at work, I felt my, like, self get into boiling. Mm-hmm. I would just control all, delete my computer, pick my phone up, and get on Colorfy. <laughs> Yeah. create a masterpiece because I was like you know what no you can't you can't do it no you I can't pull it maybe, up. do you think maybe it's just like I can control what's happening on this page oh it's absolutely it. okay I'm complete control I'm the only person who was ruling this type thing so it allows me to recenter myself and then yeah because I almost like got crunk on somebody in an email who's like two levels above me and I was like Ooh, okay. Yeah, it's time for you to step away. <laughs> yeah, my husband was like, can't we just get a regular coloring book? I was like, no, it's not how it works. So, <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Shout out to him for entertaining my every whim and interest. <laughs> so, 
Anyway, let's talk about um, where we are on the internet. We are, if you'd like to follow us, we ask that you follow us at Better Than The Movie. Nope. On Twitter. Let <laughs> <laughs> me start over. We ask that you follow us on Twitter at Better Than TM. We are on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Better Than The Movie. And um, you can always find episodes of the show on Better Than The Movie.com. Also, iTunes and Stitcher and whatever. Most podcast apps. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, there's our Google Voice number. It's 210-816-2886. So, speaking of where the people can find us, we actually got a really sweet letter from a listener that I... Girl, listen, this is another day that I was at work super stressed and it came through and I was like, oh my God, it's not all for nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's from um, Sandy and she says, uh, sometimes when you ask the question, is anybody listening? I say, yes, yes, I'm here. Mm-hmm. I was like, thank you, girl. Thank you for being here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she says, I love your show tremendously and I look forward to every episode. I wish you would have a live chat during your podcast so that the listeners could interact with you real time. Um, Also, I am extremely happy to say that after many previously failed attempts on my part, you inspired me to revisit audiobooks as I was convinced that I did not possess the necessary portion of the brain that is able to engage in listening to audiobooks. Oh, cool. So that's super dope. She goes on to say um, a few more things and then she ends... um, with saying anyway, I appreciate the work that the two of you are putting in for all of us book lovers in the world. Keep up your wonderful efforts. Peace, Sandy. Yay. Thank you, Sandy. We appreciate your feedback. That was really touching to hear. Um that you know, we know people listen to the show, guys. We do know you guys are out there. We're just kinda, you know, taking it up a notch. But we do appreciate when you guys take the time back to let us know that you're listening and to talk back to us on Twitter and and, and um, email, so that's really, really cool. Um, the listener, the live show, is not that's something that we've talked about doing before. We um, did. It's, I feel like it will be very, I mean, it may be easy to facilitate, but it might be a little bit cumbersome. I don't know. We'll have to we, talk we'll about have to work it out. We have that, to work it out. Because yeah. I think there, I know there's a way we can do it with the way we record, but mm-hmm. Yeah, so we can talk about that offline, though. Yeah, of course. And so, thanks again uh, for thanks being so much, this. Sandy, for being awesome. All right. So, speaking of listeners and our gratitude and whatnot, we're having a contest. We are. Yes. Because oh my gosh, we like I to say? give you people things. <laughs> and speaking of which, can I just say I'm I'm still I did like an impromptu Twitter contest for an Amazon uh, gift card and there was a gentleman I won't say his name because I don't know if he wants his name out on the streets like that but he had won the contest but then I didn't realize that you could not send Amazon.com gift cards to people Amazon.ca which is Canada Mm. so I'm going to have to figure that out can you just create a CA account yeah, no, because then it's the transference of the mm-hmm. currency, yes. and then there's also, like, my bank account and credit cards and stuff will probably mm-hmm. go nuts. Yeah. Um, so I have to figure that out, but we are not bums about it. I did not. <laughs> I do plan to deliver in some sort of way, but 
anybody knows like a way, if you've ever done any other contest and you happen to be a listener in Canada, let us know how you do that because just, it just never occurred to me that that wouldn't be something that we could easily do. So I'm sorry and we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll get it squared away. Okay, I just wanted to say that. <laughs> oh, no worries. Um, so uh, this contest is going to be very simple to enter. You can just tweet us and say, I want to win a Kindle from at better than TM. That's it. That's it. Tweet it out to your friends. Tell them to retweet it if they want to get in on it. Um, you do have to be following us to be a winner. And I think we will let this ride out until the 18th. Okay. So from the 11th to the 18th. Okay. All right. So there. Easy, oh, easy enough. Yes, ma'am. And there will also be runner-up prizes of Amazon gift cards. Yes. So there will be a total of three prizes. Two, two, oh, geez, I can't talk. Two $10 gift cards and one Kindle. Exciting. I think I might enter myself. <laughs> All right. So moving right along in book news, just a few things that I – wanted to talk about. So the book um, Between the World and Me by, oh gosh, help Ta-Nehisi. Ta-Nehisi. I won't tell y'all what I called him the last okay. time we talked about him. But Ta-Nehisi Coates is a book that came out weeks ago, <laughs> or months ago now, like a month, last month was it? Yes, last month. Um, and I held off on reading it because it was getting a lot of criticism on the internet and I usually, sometimes the criticism gets to be, you know, um, sometimes Twitter can be where people are like, this is problematic and here's why. And then they spend like 24 full hours uh, repeating the same <laughs> argument. And then you're kind of like, you just toot it out. So I wasn't really focused on it, but I knew I didn't want to read it because I didn't want any of that to color my my um, experience with the book. And the book is relatively short. It's um, Between the World and Me is a book written um, in the style of like a letter to um, Ta-Nehisi's son. <laughs> You're going to get that. Mr. Coates is... Um, <laughs> yes, Mr. Coates. Why don't you just do that? About his experience um, as a black man um, in this country and, um, yeah, he focuses a lot. First of all, the writing is just beautiful. Like, it's insane um, how lyrical and poetic this is at the same time, being very blunt and honest about racism in this country and what it means to exist in this country um, in a black body. I thought it was a beautiful beautiful book. Very short. This is one of those things that a person like yourself could probably read in 30 minutes. So it's that short? It's like 150 pages. Oh, yeah. I know. <laughs> you know how you get down. So. So, so the criticism, so I came back after I finished reading and I came back to the criticism of the, the book. And it's being, have you, you haven't read this. No, I haven't read it yet. Okay, so the book is being widely criticized. Not widely. No, that's not that's not the right word. The book is being criticized <laughs> um, because it excludes black women. It doesn't talk enough about the experience, the black woman's experience. So um, here's yeah. a question. Yes, ma'am. Ta-Nehisi Coates, mm -hmm. black man? Black man. All his life, black man? He's not Everything. trans man? 
all day every day okay so he's never actually lived the black woman's experience right okay so and i know people will say well he's had black women in his life he was raised by a black woman he's married to a black woman i get that i understand that Mm -hmm. but it's not i don't believe anyway it's his place to tell the black woman's experience in america because he he would just be doing what we criticize other people for doing right he'd be given sort of like a peek in sort of view and not like the view of somebody who actually has lived in a body right and so right and so the criticism is widely that he that this okay so the book like i said is a letter to his son about his experiences and this is kind of what we did when we had you and he does address the fact that you know black women have a totally different set of you know um, challenges when it comes to existing and protecting their bodies in this country. He acknowledges that, and he's, you know, and he, I think he does it at a couple of different points. I think the criticism is that the women in his life were kind of put to the margins, right? Um, not that they weren't, that they really expected him to, to tell this experience in full, but that the women were kind of put off to the margins, which I read it, and I'll say I did not, I don't agree with that assessment. I just don't. Like, I felt like he acknowledged um, several of the women um, in his, especially, he talks a lot about his time at Howard University, and he talks a lot about the women um, that he was in relationships with, um, up into his relationship with the boy's mother, who I'm not entirely sure if that's his wife still, or, you know, they weren't married, but I don't really know. So, um, but he does talk about uh, the women in his life. He talks about a friend of his who was killed um, by police, and he talks about that uh, man's mother. Um, he talks about some of the women in in um, in how at Howard University as well, as much as one can expect. But I think the problem is that they're saying now that this book is required reading, and by they I mean everybody, <laughs> um, and it tells it's really honest and required reading about the black experience um, in America, especially today. Um, Toni Morrison says it's required reading, so it's required reading. Like it's, And so I think that he's getting some of this criticism because it's like, okay, here's yet another book about the black experience that doesn't include black women or doesn't talk about black women. But I, my argument to that is the way that he has framed this book is that it is a letter to his son. That's the and, thing. Like if it's a letter from a black man to a young black man, the black woman is not necessarily going to be centered in that. And do we want to be centered in in this story? And if we were centered, the portrayal then would be, oh, well, why he have to say, you know, we're like this, this, and that. He doesn't know, right? So my, my, um, my feelings about it were very much when, after I read it was, was just like, I, I, put it in the frame of the men in my life and like I would want to give this book I asked both of my well not both I should say but two of my brothers to read it I asked um, I would like for my husband to read it but I think I have a better chance of getting him to read do the audiobook mm-hmm. um, I've asked a couple of people and I put it in that kind of you know frame and yes they acknowledge and yes they know but this book just seems like it was a book written to black a young black man from a black man and I don't really know where we would fit in a way that would be a satisfactory um, description of our experience and so one of the critics um, there was a article in on BuzzFeed and I'm sorry I don't have it pulled up so I don't remember the name of the lady that wrote Shani it. Hilton. Shani Hilton. Okay and she is a friend of his and she goes well of course you know people will say well why don't we just write 
a woman, why doesn't a black woman just write their own book about their own experience? And those are there. Um, but I think she went in to discuss more book, uh, books where um, even when we do write books about black experience, the black experience, we do often center around the black male. Um, she cited uh, Jasmine Ward's uh, Men We Reaped. Mm -hmm. I have not read that book. So what did you think of that criticism? It's sort of very similar to the We Need Diverse criticisms. Okay. In that we... <sighs> I'm trying to think of a way to say this. Essentially, it's it's the same goddamn thing. Like you you're not okay with how you are portrayed or how you are not portrayed. And then when someone tells you, "Okay, well do your own thing." You're like, "But people aren't going to pay attention." But the people that need it and the people that will pay attention are going to. You know what I mean? Like it's 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 very maddening and I feel like we go in circles a lot and yes um, and especially when we're thinking about like the Black Lives Matter movement and things of that nature that are happening right now a lot of that is centered on the black male because a lot of the you know police killings that are getting the most um, media attention are young black males um, despite the fact that women are being killed at um, nearly equal rates right. but is so do we just sit back and you know like do we just sit back and let them tell the story to, you know like do we let them run the show yeah. and tell the story the way they want to tell it or do we fight harder and push more you know what I mean like because yeah. it's not like there aren't books that are written by black women about the black experience yeah. um, actually a really um, good one that just came out recently that I actually want to read uh, it's called The Sisters Are are all right changing okay. the broken narrative yeah. of black women in america by uh tammy winfrey harris like mm -hmm. i don't you know like, like everybody wrote about ta book and saying you know where are the black women but then i saw maybe a couple articles about this book yeah and i'm like here yeah. are the black women like do you your go. Due diligence yeah. like do your duty and pub them and so to that end, because I agree with you there, like here are these other books, and I've heard of uh, the book that you're that you're just you're talking about, and I didn't I don't hear the buzz. Nobody is creating the buzz for that book, but they are piling on to the buzz that's been created for um, Mr. Coates. And so I kind of feel like, well, um, yeah, I feel like I felt very similar vibes to that. And, to 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 the uh, weenie diverse books, they're there. What you're looking for is there, but you don't like that. You don't. That's not enough because this man is getting this huge, you know, this attention from let's let's just say he's getting attention from white folks and he's getting attention from mainstream America. Um, I went to Barnes and Noble and in the and I uh, went in on the Kansas side, a very kind of small affluent, you know, suburb, and that book was pretty much sold out at Barnes and Noble. Mm -hmm. Um. And so it's getting that type of attention. And so now it's kind of like, hey, since you have this larger platform and you have this attention, this is where you need to include us. And I just didn't think that was fair. But from a literary side, you know, a, a book, an artistic side, let's say, is it cool to dictate or try to man, uh, to try to dictate or mandate or criticize a person's work because it didn't include the elements that you thought it should? Like, I don't, I don't he, think that it's fair to him. Yeah. Because I think like, he set out to write a particular book for a particular reason and a particular audience. Right. And so it's great that it can be more widely read and, you know, more people can um, get the information that he's trying to put across. But again, when he came up with this project in mind, it was to be written a particular way. 
Right. And so I'm not, I think I'm really uncomfortable with the idea that, hey, you created the thing, but that thing didn't include me or it didn't include, it didn't go the way that I thought it should go. So here's this critique and this is why I'm, I can't get down with it or I'm not really, um, I'm not excited about this, about your work because it didn't include what I thought it should include. And anybody that's ever tried to create something, when you are truly in that, you're not you're not necessarily thinking about every single person who this is going to affect. And like I said, I just thought it was overblown criticism, but enough noise was made. The, you know, like The Atlantic wrote about this, and a couple of other, uh, The New Yorker obviously wrote about this, BuzzFeed, a couple of other uh, sites really gave this attention. And I Hello? Oh, no. Are you still there? Yeah, I okay, lost sure. you for a great portion of what you were saying, though. Oh, God, I hope it recorded. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, that's just kind of my my thoughts about the book. I really loved it. I thought I think that it's getting to. If I can be honest, I think it's getting more attention for um, the honesty and the bluntness of the um, of the book. Um, but also the writing is just really beautiful. Um, so I highly recommend it. And you know, read it yourself and see if you think that you know. I kept reading it, kind of like, okay, so where would he have put? this whole section about black women in a way that would have made sense to what he was doing. And I couldn't find a place in the book where it, it wouldn't have gone. seemed like contrived or forced. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Oh yeah. yeah. Like I don't, cause then if he would have done that and it did seem contrived or forced, it would be like, Oh, he's pandering to the black woman. Right. Right. That so, was, yeah. It was a lose, lose situation either way. Yeah. yeah. It was like a 150 page book, you know, anything trying to give. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So, <clears throat> There's this other story that I wanted to talk about <laughs> um, for somebody who was wildly... I'm just... Okay, I'm not nice. I'm, like, laughing at this whole... The way that the hand-wringing and the, you know... <laughs> Pearl-clutching. <laughs> and the disaster <laughs> that is Ghost Set a Watchmen. Because... And I'm going to tell you why I just am delighted by the... Like, all of these people were so, like, oh, my gosh, book of the year, Harper Lee, like, this is going to be, you know, oh, my, I just, and, I mean, they people were on YouTube and on their blogs, and it was just, like, oh, you know. <laughs> it was so, like, highly anticipated. Like, Christ is risen. Uh, like, it was like, yeah, <laughs> like, they're, like, oh, my God, this is, you know, this is about to be the literary bomb of the year it is about to blow everything else out the water it's like yeah girl it was a bomb it blew up right bomb all right yeah <laughs> but what got to me no i don't want to say what got to me but what's so funny to me is there was also all this discussion about the way that the book was you know procured and how the controversy that around the ethics about that which again i didn't really care about but Anyway, so there's all this, like, everybody read it, apparently, everybody except for me and you. <laughs> everybody was like, oh, everything I've read has been like, oh, this book is bad, you know, and um, Atticus is a racist and blah, 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 which we talked about before on the show. Um, so, but now there is a bookstore, Michigan bookstore is offering refunds <laughs> for anybody who bought the book. He said that the book was marketed in a way that it was, it was supposed to be a, pre a prequel or sequel to, um, not a prequel, maybe, I don't know, to How to Kill, or How to Kill a Mockingbird, To Kill a Mockingbird, <laughs> and so, I was going to say How to Get Away with Murder, <laughs> 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 To 
Kill a Mockingbird, and that was deceptive, and it should have only been released as sort of a, you know, like one of those academic companions to the book, or academic whatever. And so, yo, like, he just straight up and down, like, put the onus on the, you know, the industry for, like, pumping it up. Because they have a quote from him in this article and says, it's disappointing and frankly shameful to see our noble industry, which, okay, girl, parade <laughs> and celebrate this as Harper Lee's new novel. This is pure exploitation of both literary fans and a beloved American classic, which we hope has not been irrevocably tainted. Okay. So here's the thing. For starters, <clears throat> well, no, one, he's not entirely. I don't know how they intended to market it. Or if they ever said, I don't ever remember them saying that it was a prequel or a sequel or anything like that. No, I just remember them saying that it was new work. Unreleased. Right. Right. So, so I, when I remember, I was in Barnes and Noble, oh, same time, sometime last week, and there was a lady and her daughter that were looking at books or whatever, and I heard them, oh, this is set of watchmen. Have you read this? This is supposed to be. Um, a book by the lady who wrote To Kill a Mockingbird. I think it's like when she's, it's written when she's older, you know, when she's a, when she's an older woman, whatever. And so I definitely think that the common person, you know, when I say common, I mean person that's not immersed in like book news and things like that, mm-hmm. um, definitely thought it was a sequel or a continuation or some sort of, you know, somewhere on that linear, <laughs> that time frame, um, and that it's part of the kill, To Kill a Mockingbird story, which it is. Like, I mean, <laughs> it is, but people are saying it's not. And they're like, it's a whole other book, and let's just forget this ever happened, and I just don't know that I think that's right. Like, if the Well, book is, I mean, technically, it's what To Kill a Mockingbird was supposed to be. Right. Right. And it's supposed to be like, wasn't she... She's older, so the To Kill a Mockingbird is the flashbacks yeah. For, to her childhood. So the books do relate. I think there's something to be said for the fact that she, I don't know, we don't know if the book was intended to be released. Let's just go with that it was, okay? Because we don't have any proof that it wasn't. If she, if Harper Lee said, fine, yeah, go ahead and release it, um, I don't really know that they, like I said, I don't think they marketed it in any sort of way. I don't understand the big deal. Like, is everybody just pissy because the book was bad and, and Atticus yep. was a racist? Okay. Yeah, they I feel were pissy like, because the book was terrible. I feel like if the book was good and that Atticus was, you know, who everybody thought he was, then it would be like, oh, shoot, she knocked it out of the park. Mm-hmm. Harper Lee, it's Harper Lee, she's the woman, blah, blah, blah. But because it was bad and it was like, oh, sorry, Atticus is just like y'all's grandpas. Then, <laughs> then it was like, oh, let's forget oh, this ever happened. Yeah, this isn't. No. How dare they exploit her and release this book against her wishes? I'm like, yeah, but you bought it. So you're part of the problem. You bought it happily. <laughs> so <laughs> I just, I don't know. I think it's funny because. I think it's funny because I'm just like, okay, well, I mean, it sucked, and what can you do about it, you know? I don't believe that it was like, I think that the fact that she gave it to the editor meant that she was ready for it to be published. Well, I don't think she gave it to the editor. No, I mean originally, like when they say, no, this is what she turned in, and the Mm -hmm. editor came back and said, I said the fact that she handed it to the editor meant that she was ready for that story to be told in that way. That's how I took it. So I'm like, whether or not she was okay, yeah, at some point she handed this over and said, hey, 
Yes. Ready to this go. Is it. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, it was bad. It was just bad. But I think that people are like, this is like, this is like if somebody found Mark Twain wrote something that was just horrific, and people are like, let's just forget it ever happened. Mm-hmm. The problem with Arbor Lee is she doesn't have a whole, you know, huge bibliography. Yeah, she doesn't have a bibliography at all. Yeah, backs up her abilities, and so all we have is to kill a mockingbird, which y'all know what I think about to kill a mockingbird, and so <laughs> this is it. I just I don't know why so many people was, rested their hopes and dreams on this book. I mean, not to you know shit on to kill a mockingbird or whatever, because it's a, a good book. But was it like the most amazingly written book ever in life? To make I, people believe that this ghost set a watchman, you know what I mean? Like I feel like To Kill a Mockingbird did for white you white people, especially those budding liberals, white people. I think To Kill a Mockingbird did for them what like Color Purple, The Blue Side did for black girls. Okay, but those. Uh, okay, never mind. <laughs> yes, okay, I'll go with you on that one. I like we don't care about that book in this way. But <laughs> <laughs> about like the 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 writing level like oh yeah yeah that's what i'm thinking like i'm not even like the cultural impact or whatever i'm just thinking like the writing level wasn't like that superb that people should have been like wetting themselves over ghost of the washington but again that could have to do with me not having really any connection with it but i don't know i mean i haven't read to kill a mockingbird since i was like a smooth 14 years old so i remember being really um impressed with it the storytelling or whatever and then I remember also telling my teacher that this book didn't move me and then I also remember reading the watching the book movie a few years ago and not really feeling it you know what I mean it was one of those things like it didn't hold up for me um but you know I just I don't I'm not gonna take away from anybody's experience but but back to this story about this man refunding these books I think it's absurd I think that when you buy a book, you know, you make that purchase. <laughs> Not you that all it for better or for worse. You bought it, yeah. And the person said, this is this is the work. Read it. You didn't like it or if it wasn't what you expected it to be. You can't come back and be like, because he had one customer that came back and was like, uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that set the chain in motion. And the, yeah. And I'm like, no, sir. You bought this book. I assume you had some sort of idea about what it was supposed to be good day. The, thing, though, like the <laughs> average the average person that just goes in a bookstore and browses doesn't even get all of that context though. We didn't even so. get refunds for a million little pieces. Why should anybody be giving refunds? But here's the thing though, <laughs> that would have been at a publisher level though. Yeah. Like this is this guy's this is his mom and pop bookshop. So he's taking money out of his own pocket. I think that's stupid. Yeah. But I'm also not a bookstore owner who yeah. would care that deep like no, like for good or for, for better or for worse, you bought this. Yeah. So, like, you have to deal with it. So, like, whenever I buy a dollar ninety nine Kindle book and it's not everything I need to be, I can't go to Amazon and be like, "Hey, girl, I want you to take this Kindle book back." Because they like, no, you have to keep it because you read it, and even though you thought it was terrible, oh well, we got your money now. So I don't. It's true. It's true. That's interesting. You said you talk about the bookstore level and what they've chosen to do. There was a book, another story about a bookstore. Oh, I want to say somewhere, sorry, that was selling um, Between the World and Me at cost. So they weren't making any money, but they felt oh, like... yeah, because they felt like people needed to read it. Yeah, and they... Yeah. Yep, yeah. Okay. So... <laughs> what up, people? All right. 
So anyway, I just wanted to say that we are, or my, I can speak for myself, I am uh, in the background cackling at every um, dramatic. <laughs> Yo, have you ever seen that gif where it's like um, in the foreground, it's this girl crying, and then in the background, there's this guy like doing faux like basketball moves? Mm. I'm that guy, like yeah. in the background, like doing the basketball moves, cracking up. Yeah, like everybody relax, just chill out. Like maybe it's, it's sad for you. It would be like if, you know, maybe that, you know, Toni Morrison only wrote one book and then we got the second one and it was trash, but that would never happen because our fave is not <laughs> trash. Uh, because we don't stand for mediocrity. Anyway. <laughs> Moving right along. Moving right along. We have a book that we would like to talk about um, today. We are um, going to focus on a book called A Thousand Splendid Sons by Khaled Hosseini. Of all the things that I can't pronounce. <laughs> <laughs> you did a good job, though. So it's because I just went into full stand mode after I read this book. <laughs> the thing is, okay, you mentioned this book on one of our episodes about I think it was one of like a name of a book that made you cry or yeah. Yeah. And I was like, not gonna make me cry. I'll read it. Fine. Oh my God. So caught yourself with a tear or two, didn't caught you? Caught me slipping. <laughs> so and I know we know that this book is not this isn't a brand new book, but you guys who have been listening know that's not how we do. This is just a book that we both read and we want to talk about it because I don't think even offline we've really discussed um, this book after I read it. So no, said, we haven't discussed it at all. We haven't. Um, and just so anyone who's listening knows, if you have not read this book, this will not be a spoiler-free discussion because we don't know how to do those. Yeah. So, um, and the book's like eight years old. So, yeah. <laughs> so go read it first and then come back to this one. But yeah, we haven't talked about this book together at all. So we said, hey, why not include our friends on this discussion? Do we want to talk a little bit about the, yeah, we should probably set the book up. Yeah. So, so I'll just give a quick synopsis, I guess. Mm -hmm. So it essentially, it's broken up into, I think, three parts. And it's about uh, two women, Miriam and Layla. Part one tells Miriam's story. Um, she is born the bastard child of, um, a very rich Afghan man who essentially uh, her, her mother was a maid of his and he took advantage of her. Um, and when she became pregnant, he is other wives like cast. I say other wives, like the mother was a wife, but she wasn't, she was a maid, but nevertheless, his wives didn't want her around. And so they cast her out of the house with her child. And he built like this hut for her and her child to live in. Um, in like this remote area that was across the riverbed from um, the town that he lived in. He would come visit Miriam and her mother every Thursday. Um, and in Miriam's eyes, her father was like her hero. Um, he was the greatest man ever um, until he disappointed her one time. And so she was, I think, like 15 when he disappointed her this time. And she wanted to go give, her, give him a piece of her mind. So she went across the river to his house shows up she's told he's not home she knows he's home basically sleeps outside like a dog um the father treats her like trash she goes back to where her and the mom live and she finds her mother has hanged herself right. herself 
hanged, hung. I don't know past tense. <laughs> so um, from that point on, she um, she lives with the father for a little bit before his wives set her up with one of his business associates and basically marry her off to this guy, Rashid. Mm-hmm. was way older than her um, and he was trash. I'll get into how he was trash a little bit later. Okay. Um, and so then she and Rashid are living um, in Kabul and while they're living there, she tries to get pregnant. She can't get pregnant. She miscarries a few times. Um, and then we move into part two of the book where we learn Layla's story. And Layla is a young girl who lives in Kabul and her father is like a professor. Mm-hmm. Um, I think her mom's a stay-at-home mom or whatever. And so um, she's very much a modern um, Afghan woman. Like she um, she goes to school, you know, she's getting educated or whatever. And then when she's, I think when she's like 14, mm-hmm. Afghanistan has been um, occupied by several different forces over the telling of this book. So first it was the Soviets. Then it was the Taliban, I think. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So, um, but when Layla is like 14, there's an attack and a bomb is thrown in the house and her parents are killed um, and she barely survives. She's pulled out of the rubble by Miriam's husband, Rashid. And then uh, Rashid essentially makes her his second wife. Mm-hmm. So she's brought into the house with Miriam. Um, she and Miriam have a very contentious relationship at first because Miriam thought that she was trying to take her husband all this other stuff. But nevertheless, they eventually get over that and they um, learn to work together. As the years progress and Layla ends up having um, two children, Aziza and I uh, forget the little boy's name. Like Zainab or something. I don't know. Um, but uh, so she has these kids or whatever. Rashid gets increasingly worse. He beats um, both of the women whenever they do anything that he feels is out of line. Um, and at one point they get into this really huge argument and Rashid is choking Layla and Miriam hits him over the head. Hi. <laughs> Are you back? I'm here. Okay. But I want to stop you. Okay. Okay. Because let's work up to that point. Okay. All right. All right. So, because <laughs> you like, you gave, that was excellent background. That's what they need to know. I think the third part is the part we can. I can get them there. Okay, so first I want to talk about, let me back up to the first uh, part of the book, uh, Miriam and her relationship with her mother. And well, I don't even want to call it a relationship, but her mother. And her mother's um, warning. Her mom is very, um, like she does not like her father. Like she hates her father. And she hates the fact that Miriam adores him so much because she's like, what is there to adore? But because her mom is a little bit off kilter, I would say, mm-hmm. it comes across as like, oh, mama don't know what she's talking about. My dad is everything. Um, and she's just jealous because my dad is, you know, who he is or whatever. And you um, have to think about it. Like, she doesn't have an idea of what a real, like, relationship is supposed to be like between a family or whatever. So right. him coming and every time he comes bringing her gifts and treating her like she's the best girl in the world, like, that's enough for her. To her, that's her, yeah, that's a, that's the standard. You know, she doesn't know any different. So when her mom, t- when she decides, oh, I'm going to go. And, like, the mom is like, I've given all of this to you. You know, I'm your mom. I'm all you got. 
in this world. She kind of tunes her mom out, like, no, my dad loves me, and blah, 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 I'm sorry about your luck. She's not sassy to her mom in that way, but that's kind of her tone. Um, and then when she decides she's going to go down there and confront him, because he was supposed to come for, like, a birthday or supposed to come up for something, and he didn't make it, and she was really disappointed. So she decides she's going to go down to where he lives, and she sees how he's living. You know, he lives in, like, a wall a house with a gate and a driver and a, you know, and they don't even let her in the gate. Like, she has to sleep outside, like you said, like a dog. Her mom had warned her, don't go. Forget yeah. it. Because the, the thing was the dad was supposed to introduce her to all her other siblings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it was it like was. her birthday or something. And the man, he owned like a movie theater. So she was like, okay, this is all I want for my birthday. I want to see a movie at the movie theater you own. And I want you to bring all my brothers and sisters. He was like, got you, boo. Yeah. And then, and then he played her. And the mom knew. And then she also knew. But for her, I, 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 almost, I sympathize with the mom. So I'm sorry. Let me continue. So when she came back, her mom was had hung herself hung hanged hung so um i sympathized with the mom a lot and i felt like in the beginning i was like oh this woman is off her rocker but i would be off my rocker too if you know me and this man we both did this a dishonorable thing and i don't even remember how it was framed but i almost felt like this was not all entirely consensual anyway <laughs> and uh -huh. then and then we had we we had this baby and now i have to live in the outskirts of middle of nowhere in a hut because i've done this shameful thing to this man who can't face his wives and say hey this is what i've done now i need to do right by this woman and this baby and that's not what he did. And so she had to give up her life and give up everything that she knew in order to be in this hut and just be, you know, this man is going to come up and give you some trinkets and he's the man. But I've sacrificed, you know, my life essentially and I'm the crazy one. That's just how I took the mom, you know. Oh, that's exactly how it was because, she, like you said, she gave up her entire life. Like she didn't ask to like she, it wasn't like she was in love with um Miriam's father or anything and it was some sort of taboo illicit thing and then this just happened um you know she was taken advantage of and then for that she was the one that was punished and when I, I was looking back through the book today just to refresh myself with some of the more final um points of the plot and um there's a quote where she says like a compass that points north a man's accusing finger always finds a woman mm. And well. I was like, well, Nana, nobody ever can call you a liar because yeah. your life is like prime example of that happening. Yeah. Like I very much, we both did this thing. I mean, that's very like Scarlet Letter. That's also very, you know, contemporary too. We both did this thing, but you are the bad one because yeah. you're the woman. You know, you. To the tango never actually applies here. How many rap songs do you hear about if I could just, you know, get these hoes to leave me alone? It's like, well, sir, <laughs> you do have a say so okay. in that, you know. Are you not um, the hoe too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was I thought that dynamic between her and her mother was very interesting. Um and how, you know, I don't want to be all mama knows best and mama was right, but in this situation she knew the man that she was dealing with. And you know, like I mean, you know how girls can be with their fathers anyway you kind of just 
Like I'm 33 years old, and I you cannot tell me my father didn't hang the moon. In the okay, stars. I was just about to say, girl, my daddy still hangs the moon. You know what I mean? I'm like like, like I don't know. The, you know, there's just that thing. You know, girls. You know, that's the first guy that you yeah. you know get a sense of or whatever. And it but, uh, and it's very much like like I, like my dad owns a restaurant. Sometimes I'm like, your dad is mean. I'm like, listen, I don't know what kind of boss he is. I don't know what kind of you know, man, what he's done to you, but my father is a saint. Thank you very mm-hmm. much. Don't bet not nobody say nothing about my daddy. <laughs> like that's it. And that's very real. And you know, how many, I'm sure, you know, there's experiences some women have. Hell, I'm married to my husband. I love my husband very much, but there's a sometimes like, oh, dad is great. He let us, you know, I skate across the floor with frosting or whatever. <laughs> and it's like, okay. Like, dad can't do any wrong. And, you know, but that's how it is. And so, um, and I think it's painful. I, th- I I felt her mom's pain with, I have, I've done all of this and given up this for you, but this is who you choose to admire. And you want to be a part of that world. You want to be a part of that world and that family that cast us out onto the side of this river in the first damn place. Like, right. Okay, you want to leave me behind and everything that, you know, I've done for you. You just want to poo poo it to the side because he didn't sold you a dream. Right. And so then, I mean, I feel like Miriam, like, she learned that lesson immediately. Immediately. You know what I mean? She, like, it didn't take nothing for her to be like, mm, okay, my mother was right. Right, because when she had to go to the house um, after her mom died, um, and she did live there, they set her off to the side. It wasn't like, hey, come to the table, you know, here Mm-mm. we are. They set her in a room off to the side, and one of the house, like, the guy, I, I don't know, I would call it his butler or his, the dad's valet or his assistant or whatever, um, he kind of looked after her a little bit. It might, and and so they weren't there. It wasn't long before those mo- uh, those wives were like, "Okay, girl, um, we got to get you, you up out of here. Yeah. <laughs> you, you can't stay here. So we're gonna get you a husband." And she was a smooth one, right? Fourteen. Yeah, like fourteen, um, fifteen. I think. Married her off. So when she gets married to Rashid, Rashid is not immediately bad. At first, no. I thought. I thought that he wasn't going to be that bad. I was like, plot twist. Okay. You know, this is not what I thought because you get these um, stories often when they talk about um, this part of the world where, and especially, you know, like Muslim countries and stuff that the men are just all, you know, bad. And so, yeah. And so I thought, okay, maybe this is a twist on this. And it was, it was the first, at first it was all good. And I think after she started having, um, when she had her first miscarriage is when Mm -hmm. things turned. No, no, it was she, before that. Yeah, she it got was like when a he solid just... week of good. It like she got a solid week of like good treatment, whatever. But it was when he decided that he wanted to consummate the marriage. Right. Okay. Is when things started going south, and they just got worse when she and had it was like first miscarriage. The first time he they went out, it was all great, and then he got to the house. I'm like, okay, um, I'm very traditional, and you gonna wear this burqa, and um, <laughs> I don't take no talk back, and this is how it is. And she was like, okay, and she didn't realize, you know, how much worse it was gonna get at first. Even when he brought up the burger, he was like, Oh she was like, Okay, I can understand that. Like I'm your wife. She kinda went with it at first and then it just got worse and worse for her to the point where it was like, Oh girl, I'm sorry. Like her whole life was just tragic. Yeah, it was really sad. And so then we move on to Layla. And Layla was out here doing it like it's 2015 like she had yeah Layla had all the freedoms like yeah she was able to frolic around the neighborhood her best friend was a boy and nobody cared 
Like everybody, like the parents would just joke like, oh, future in-laws. Yeah, she was able to go to school and her father was, um, he was written kind of very bookish and um, but, but ta taught her a lot. And they talked about, um, you know, the Russians occupying this, this city and... Um, or at the time, I guess they're Soviets, whatever. And you know, the the, the she was very um, she was included in those political discussions and stuff, and so she knew what was happening. Um, she had friends, and it was and and I think her story painted more of a hey, this is how this is the culture of this place. Mm -hmm. You know, there's um, community here, and there's a marketplace, and there's this is how we celebrate, and this is how we do things here. Um, and I thought that was really neat because the whole book is kind of a 30-year history, right, or 30 to 40 years history of of Afghanistan or Kabul specifically. Mm -hmm. And it was it was really eye-opening to me, but I really appreciated the parts about Layla's life where you can hear all of this like tragedy, tragedy, bombs, killings, blah, 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 but you never really get the story of, okay, so what's so great about this place that these people don't just leave? Well, they're, this is their home. There's lots of culture here. There's you know, history here, and so. And too, I don't think I ever realized that um, it wasn't always necessarily a patriarchal society. Like right. that women weren't always oppressed to the levels that we know them to be now. Right. Um, they talk about you know women being doctors and lawyers and business women. Um, even when Miriam first arrives in the town, she's taken aback because she sees a woman driving a car and smoking a cigarette. Right. Like so, you know just like those little glimpses into life and I was in like the seventies or something. Right. So, you right. know, like that the women had that much freedom was something that I'd never known. Cause you know, we get fed this whole, it's an oppressive society and the woman has to walk 10 paces behind the right. man wearing a burqa. But you don't get what it was, what it used to be. Right. Before and, the different forces took over. And so the Soviet, um, occupation or I, I don't know yeah. how to frame it yeah they, it was so bad and things were so bad and you know there was like mortars going off and all of this you know kind of wartime type type um, things happening that the Taliban coming along was seen as a relief like they're going to come and save us from this right we're gonna take our country back and it seemed like that for about 10 seconds and then the Taliban was like, hey, we got a few things we want you to do and we don't want you to do. <laughs> Actually, y'all thought we was going to give y'all some freedom? Nah, bro. It's going to get worse. And so Rashid, he was even excited at first. Like, hey, you know, this is these guys are like me. And I think a couple of other people were. Um, and there was some other, you know, political, you know, back and forth with leadership and stuff. And um, it changed Layla's life completely because the freedoms that she had were no longer there um, a lot of people were leaving or dying um, this was a point where a lot of homes were being like bombed overnight not bombed but hit with mortars or hit with rocket grenade launchers you know what I mean blown up <laughs> in the night um, women couldn't go out people couldn't go out for a certain point women couldn't go out by themselves um, and it just got like pretty pretty bad um, and her life changed and her family held out for as long as they could and you know in the time the time that they decided, okay, it's time for us to go, they're literally like moving out when her parents are, are killed. So Layla has a man, a friend, who before the they decide to leave, this is her childhood friend. What was his name? Tariq. Tariq. Her childhood friend Tariq. And they were super cute. Like 
are was, we or aren't we? It was like the quintessential like boy and girl next door grow up, you know, oh, we're just friends, but oh, I think I love him and I don't know if he loves me. Oh, he loves me too type thing. Yeah. And so the passion overwhelms these two young people and they, you know, play a little stick the tip in. Can we say that on the show? Uh, you just did. Alright, so uh, that's what happened. And then they don't really talk about it anymore. And then, you know, they're moving out and her parents die. So Miriam and Rashid, actually Rashid finds her. Miriam helps nurse her back to health. And uh, Layla, in her very, very smart way, decides, hey, <laughs> why don't you just, uh, you know, I think, does, he, does Rashid, I think Rashid offers. So, so, here, so here's what happened, right? So initially she, like, when they were convalescing her, like, when she got back well, she was going to try and leave to go to Pakistan right? find Tariq. And then some man, and I feel like his name was, like, Omar right. or something, right. yeah. comes to the house, and he's like, oh, is there a Layla here? I have to tell her this story. Um, you know, I met this young man, Tariq, and da-da-da-da-da. We were in the hospital together, and he passed away, but he wanted me to let you know all this other mess or whatever. So basically, Layla believes that Tariq is dead and so all of her desire to actually run away to Pakistan like goes out the window so then that's when um, Rashid makes the proposition that she become the second wife and she's like all right she's like well I ain't got nothing else going so let's go and so and well another spoiler she's also pregnant by Tariq at this point which is why she said, I need to get the hell out of here or we need to get married. <laughs> because, yeah, um, it wouldn't have gone over well in that environment, her being pregnant um, and not married. So she hides that from everybody for a while. Let's see. So let's talk about Miriam and Layla's relationship at first. So Miriam is feeling... See, I didn't think it was Miriam was like, oh, she's coming in here to take my man. I think yeah, it was she, more... she said that. But see, like I she said it literally. Like she was like, "I convalesced you, and this is how you repay me." Yeah, like. But I felt like you're right. She did say that. I like, felt I don't like, think that she cared about Rashid yeah, necessarily. Her, she, yeah, it was more about the respect level. Like it, she didn't give a good goddamn about him. But it was I, she felt disrespected. I think. See, I took it as like, okay, Layla was much younger and beautiful. Like, she was really beautiful. And Miriam was just average looking and much older by this point. And I took it as a little bit of that, like, woman, you know, jealousy of a younger woman coming in. And But I felt it was more for Miriam security. Like, you're going to take my spot. Then I, where am I going to be? I'm old. I'm, you know, not attractive. Nobody's going to marry me after I've been with this fool for however many years. Like, you are threatening my place in here, you know. And but he so, told her, like, basically, like, you ain't going nowhere. So, yeah. Because so. he told her, like, you, you know, I'm going to keep you around because somebody has to serve us. But yeah. just and that's know exactly that you're not how he treated her at first. And Layla played the game for a while because she needed to, you know, go ahead and consummate this so that she could be on the, hey, I'm pregnant, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it all works out. And he treats her really, well, no, he doesn't. He start, doesn't he start beating her when she's pregnant? Yeah. Um, 
Did he beat her when she was? I think so. No, she got through the first pregnancy relatively unscathed. Okay, maybe and it was, it was after the when the baby was. Yeah, it was when the baby was there because she didn't know how to care for no darn baby. Yeah. Um, and the baby would always be crying and making a ruckus, and he would get irritated by that. And I think that's when he started beating her. Yeah, and he was very sadistic. Um, very much. Oh, the baby was a girl, girl. and that's part of the problem too, for for him. And I remember he. there was a scene where he beat her up and locked her in the room, and she didn't have water, she didn't have anything, um, and kept her baby from her. Um, and, and eventually the baby is what softens her, you know, kind of eases her relationship with Miriam, how much the baby ends up really liking her, loving her, um, and they kind of form this bond. Um, so she has the other baby. And as she has this other baby, she confesses to Miriam, or in between time, she confesses to Miriam that the baby is not really his. Like, she came to the party already. <laughs> came to the party drunk already. So, Miriam was like, okay, girl, you trusted me with that secret. We're, we're, we're good. And this man... Um, just gets worse and worse and worse and worse to them. All the while, the Taliban is getting worse and worse to the people of Afghanistan, and he is actually, like, his business is, he's no longer able to work and really provide for them, so there's some times of, like, extreme poverty where they don't have enough to feed themselves, really. They have to cook for him, and then the food goes to the baby, and, and then whatever's left goes to the babies, and then sometimes nothing for them. Um, it gets really bad. But all the while, he's, you know, throwing his weight around, um, and he's the man, but he can't provide for his family. Um, and no, he, not to defend him, but to no fault of his own, it just got that bad in, in Kabul. Right, yeah, it got so bad that eventually um, they en ended up sending the girl to an orphanage. Right. right. Um, just so she would have food to eat. Right. And it was so dangerous for them to even like go and see her. See her it was dangerous. Yeah. And like, uh, I feel like one time, um, Layla tried to go alone. Yeah. And she got like beat by one of the Taliban officers. Yeah. yeah. And it was very, um, but she didn't care. She's like, I got to get to my baby. Yeah, got to see my baby. And the orphanage was no better. You know, it was barely any because a lot of people had to give up their kids because they couldn't feed them or they were killed or whatever so it's full it's you know they don't have a lot of money for food they don't have a lot of money for you know necessities and so it's not a better situation by any stretch but the little boy got to stay and then the little boy ended up snitching yo the little boy was such a jerk right okay so of course because he was a boy he could do no wrong in his father's eyes so like he was treated like you know the crown prince like the man went and bought a tv and a vcr and said it was only for the boy like he was spending money that they didn't really have mm. um on things for this boy and so one day Tariq reappears right and he's not really dead. He's not dead. Omar Sharif told a lie. It was mm -hmm. found out that um, Rashid had paid this man to come to the house and lie to Layla. Mm. So the little boy, ugh, little trick ass little boy, he snitched as soon as Rashid gets home. Like, yeah, dad, it was some dude here talking to mommy. Like, and she took off of her job so he could see her face. Like, so that's when the s hit the f right and 
um, Rashid snapped completely because, of course, he knew um, immediately who it was when his son said that the man had a limp because well, we didn't say this, but Tariq um, was the victim of an unfortunate accident in his childhood and one of his legs was blown off. So he only had one leg and then the other was a prosthetic, hence why he walked with a limp. Right. And so he had already been giving Layla shit about kind of knowing that the little girl wasn't his. Um, kind of throwing hints and are you sure? And I think he, I definitely think he knew. Um, but when he found this out, it got pretty brutal. Like he was going to kill her because they were bold. I mean, they let him up in the house. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and you know, served him like a guest, like it was no big deal. And I don't know. I, I didn't blame them for that, but I was just like, um, this is it, wise ladies. Yeah, yeah. The whole time we're like, get him out of here. So, um. He ends up causing that whole thing ends up causing them to get uh, a serious beat down. At this point, they tried to help each other. Like it was like, hey, but it was a point where he was beating up Layla so badly, and like you were saying, he started to choke her and choke the life out of her, and um, becoming Mary. I'm going upside his head with a what did she hit him with? Shovel. A shovel. Mm -hmm. And it ended up killing him, which I don't think was the intention. I think the yeah, intention. Yeah, because she, I think she hit him, because she hit him twice. So she hit him the first time just to, like, get him off of her because he was literally strangling Layla. And then the second time, I don't know why she struck him again. Right. So. Yeah. So he ends up dying, and they could have easily, I don't want to say easily because it was, like, you know, Taliban occupied, Afghanistan, <laughs> so they could just walk around. But I think the idea, Layla's idea was, hey, let's get Tariq back here. Let's figure this thing out. And Miriam was like, the only way you're going to have a normal life is if I go ahead and accept responsibility for this. The only way you're going to be free, like, I'm older. I'm done for. This is just my lot in life. And so she takes responsibility for it. And in the meantime, um, Tariq comes and gets Layla. They get the daughter. I forgot how they get the daughter out. Of the orphan, I think they just go get her, right? Yeah, I think they just went and got her. Uh huh. And then they take the little boy, which I'm like, y'all should have just put his ass in the orphanage. Put him but, in the orphanage. <laughs> um. And then they 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 leave Kabul and Miriam. <laughs> Girl, listen, I was not like, I wasn't ready. No. She turned herself in. <sighs> so sad oh my gosh and yeah okay well she was sentenced to death obviously um and was she stoned to death shot shot and it was in a public forum like yeah it was like coliseum a, viewing yeah whoever was in charge of tal dunn would carry out their punishments in this kind of coliseum setting and people would come and watch which you know so they they killed our girl yeah and she made that sacrifice not only for Layla, but for um, the kids, too. Yes. Um, mainly the little girl. And, yeah. Little snitch. So she, um, that part, I mean, it was an extremely sad book, but it was very much, um, it, like I said, it, the book gives me, gave us lots of history about a part of the world that I didn't know much about. And to that, I'm kind of like, that is how you tell a story. You give a divert, you know, when we talk about, oh, we need to read diversely and promote books about, that is the experience that I hope to get. I always hope to get from 
from a book like that. Not only do I, you're not just telling me these things and leaving me to fill in the blanks. You're letting me know this is a whole picture of this place, a whole picture of this region, a whole picture of these people. Um, yeah, it wasn't just a snippet. Like he gave us the entirety of the experience that a person would have had living in Afghanistan from those years. Yeah. And I like, thought that was and it, and it was, it didn't seem biased. You know what I mean? Cause he could have, he could have written a book that was blatantly just like, Oh, the Taliban sucks. And let me tell you all these reasons why. Or, yeah. You know, he oh, gave a really good, it's an oppressive society. And let me tell you all these reasons why. And it's like, no, he gave you, you know, History. This story. is why. Yeah. yeah, this is why they were here, and this is this why is how we everybody... got to where we are today. Yeah, yeah, and I thought he did a, a good job of that. I know there's probably you know people who know better than you and I about the history that have criticisms, but there always are. So, um, but for someone who just had no idea other than what's kind of in the news, um, I think it gave a decent picture of the that part of the the world, and a really just heartbreaking but good story about. Um, Huh, everything, womanhood and sisterhood and family dynamic. Condition. Yeah. And mm-hmm. let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. How did you feel about, because you know, um, well, you know, because you read it, um, uh, Layla and uh, Tariq and the kids had gone to Pakistan and then she decided that she wanted to go back. What yeah. were your thoughts about like her wanting to go back? Like, I mean, did you and- understand it? Initially, I thought stupid, like why, you know. <laughs> but then, and you know what I mean, like all this fuss, and you ain't even gonna. This lady laid her life out, and you go go back to, you know, right. But then I felt like I get it. I think I get it the same way that like people who have had to leave, like uh, Katrina, um, people who were displaced by Katrina, like they have the strong desire to go back. That's what you know. That's your life. Like I, I grew up um, here in Kansas City, and I cannot imagine you know, walking down the, you know, the, the places that I've gone my whole life, the streets I've gone down my whole life. I don't I have a problem with leaving here, but just to have that all destroyed and then to just never have even the option of returning here, not even for a visit. Like, that I can, I could understand. Um, I don't think that had I had been through what she'd been through, I don't know if I would have any desire to go back. No. But I kind of understood. Yeah. And her just feeling like we can do the best good there. What are we running from? Where are we going? Right. Let's go back and help all these other people. Who, yeah. You know. I understood that to an extent, but I'm like, you're largely powerless there right now. I was now. just thinking about like myself, and I was like, if it was me, would I have wanted to go back? And I think I would have been 50-50. Yeah. Like, I may have wanted to go back, but I don't know that I really could have pulled the trigger. Yeah, and like, neither. Tariq was super like, okay, if you want to go yeah. back, that's what we'll do. But I just kind of, I did leave with that feeling of like, where are you going back to? Like, what can you do in the face of this, you know, horrific regime, you know? Mm -hmm. You know, I got it to an extent, like I said. Yeah, I did too like that she went back and visited um, Miriam's little hut that she lived in with her mom. And then she talked to um, the son of that guy who was like Miriam's teacher or whatever. Mm -hmm. It was like a full circle moment kind of thing. I thought it was cool. And it wasn't cheesy. You know what I mean? Because it could have been real cheesy. Right. And I like the way that he did. Because in Miriam's life, at first, I was like, oh, please don't let this whole woman's life be shit. And it was. And I just, at first, I kind of was like, oh, 
like, is this going to be, like, a precious thing where, like, no, this woman has no hope? But then I look back, and I'm like, the kids gave her hope. Like, she mm-hmm. couldn't have her own, and her time of being with those kids really was her was her thing, like, being yeah. a... Yeah. So I also thought it was cool, the letter to her father, like, her father came back. Yeah. And when they read those letters and were like, oh, wait a minute, had she opened these and paid attention, you know, had her, her life might have been a little Changed. bit different. Yeah. So, um, anyway, it was an incredible book. Um, I got the buzz. I remember I've seen this book like for the past eight years at every you know book table and every bookstore, and you see it all the time. But you're kind of like, eh. <laughs> but I'm really, really glad I read it because it caused me to read the Kite Runner, which I think I was the only person in America who had not read the Kite Runner. <laughs> and um, I also enjoyed that book. Um, and so, yeah, I actually read the Kite Runner like years before I read this book. Mm-hmm. And I'd always said, oh, yeah, I'm going to read that book. And then somebody picked it for book club. And I was like, okay, what the hell was my problem? What took me so long to read this book? Because it's so freaking good. Yeah. Like, And it's it's good, like, all around. Like, content-wise, it's good. You know, it's a very dynamic story. And then it's also written just very beautifully. Yeah, and the plot, yeah, the plot's insane. The setting is, uh, you know insane history Ugh. all of it is really really good great and he work. managed to like include history and not make it seem like dry or boring or yeah. like you know it wasn't like an info dump like he yeah. was weaving the history into the story yeah so i recommend it if you haven't read it and you sat through all of this why because the book is still good but you've ruined the best parts of it for yourself but <laughs> <laughs> but it's still worth a read especially if you are like me who had not read a lot about a lot of fiction from authors um, from that part of the world. It's a really good kind of starting place, and it led me down my summer rabbit hole through Asia. So, um, yeah, check out um, A Thousand Splendid Sons. It's one of the better-than-the-movie faves now, I guess we can say. It has our stamp of approval. Would you like to do a quick, uh, what are you reading? Since we didn't do an episode last week, we've, I really feel like we need to just give you guys all of give you the best that we got <laughs> okay Anita Baker uh, sure you want to start yeah okay so what are you reading you know, um, if you follow us on Twitter we both have been hating books lately <laughs> largely underwhelmed and I don't know I I listened to a few book podcasts and watched a few YouTube videos and kind of got my you know desire to read again back so um, I'm actually reading um, two things I'm rereading dumbing us down by John Taylor Gatto and dumbing us down. Um, he is a writer. Um, he was an educator for 26 years for New York schools, and he's won all these awards for teaching. But he talks a lot about how school damages kids, and it's a crock of shit. And <laughs> um, he's very in favor of homeschooling and free schools and charter schools that are free schools and um, unschooling even. But What's he a free school. A free school is organized um, homeschool. Like you do, your kids do go to a place, but it's very much like, hey, I, I mean, it's it's a little bit more structured than what I'm going to describe. But it's like, hey, I'm interested in you know the weather. How do the clouds work? And they let that kid go down that path, and they've got everything that they need. Okay. To do that. Um, but it's more of a like a like a school setting, so they do go to the school. There's homeschoolers that do it that way, and that's called um, unschooling. Um, we are homeschoolers in my house, and so we are very unique homeschoolers. I don't stay home. 
Mr. Tamika doesn't stay home, but we work opposite shifts and we make it work for our family. And I really like the book. But even if you do educate your kids uh, through the public school system or private school system or traditional school, it is really, really um, eye-opening. His thesis really talks about like points of how school makes kids like not confident in their ability to learn unless they're getting um, affirmation from a supposed expert or a higher source so there's some other things too but I think he's really worth checking out really short book um, if you're interested in that and then I'm also reading the short and tragic what's the name of that other book I'm sorry it's called dumbing us down by John Taylor Gatto it's very short but very um, profound the short and tragic life of Robert Peace is also a book I'm reading uh, by Jeff Hobbs um, this book is about a young man named Robert Peace obviously uh, the person that wrote it was his um, roommate at Yale, Yale, and Robert Peace grew up in Newark, Newark and New Jersey, and he was, um, you know, his father was a, a worker, but also like a drug dealer. His mom worked really hard, and he kind of lived one foot in this really like academic, you know, private school, very, very smart. He actually majored in like molecular bio, bio, biophysics and biochemistry and graduated from Yale, um, and he also went back to Newark to teach and ended up um, being really, really involved in the drug game, um, and he died. Um, the title is a spoiler, so this book really talks about <laughs> him having two feet in the world, or one foot in each of those worlds, poverty, um, a lot about like white flight in black neighborhoods and how they become kind of how they are sometimes. I don't know what to think about this book quite yet because I feel like it's marketed, I don't really know how comfortable I am with his white roommate telling the story, even though he did an excellent job so far, but then also like it's kind of marketed like he was out there, you know, pushing huge weight and running <laughs> like like he had a what's that lady's name? The big Mexican drug cartel lady? I don't remember her name, but like he was just doing like, you know, good fellas scarface type drug dealing and it really was like he was growing pot. You know, so oh, okay. Um not that that it takes away from the story, but I think it's kind of marketed it as like he was just really, you know, off into this drug game hard while he was, you know, a graduate of Yale molecular like it's not such a stretch to think that a graduate of Yale like a in the sciences would be into growing pot to me but yeah we'll see how it goes okay what are you reading um so i'm not reading a goddamn thing all right right on <laughs> um a few days ago though i finished love anger madness um by marie and i'm gonna screw up her last name so i'm so sorry for the haitian people i think it's view chauvet mm-hmm or Vauxhave, I'm not sure, I'm not good, I don't speak French, but this book actually made me want to be able to speak French to read it in the original language that it was written in, because I feel like the it was very, very good. So it's, it's three um, stories in one book, comprised in one book. So, um, and love, anger, and madness are each of the stories. Uh, the way that, the, that I read it, the English translation lets me know that it was subpar right because it was still good but i feel like if i read it in the that i probably would be like worshiping at the altar of um miss marie because um so the stories are about three different sets of people so in love there's this woman claire who she's um the oldest of three sisters mm-hmm. and um she lives in a house with her two sisters she um uh, has always been uh, virtuous 
if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. And so her middle sister, her and her husband live in the house, and then they have a younger sister, and the younger sister is pretty much like in heat, and um, she's trying to like seduce the middle sister's husband. Mm -hmm. um, he didn't take the bait, but like Claire was sort of egging her on because she's always held a thing for the guy too. Mm -hmm. um, but the the dynamics between the sistership and like because essentially Claire raised her other two sisters after their parents um, passed, mm -hmm. and the um, age difference between each of the women is nine years. Okay. So she's eighteen years older than the youngest one or whatever. So she's basically like a mother figure towards her. But yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot that goes on. And it's also about, oh my gosh, I can't remember um, the name of the the uh, politician whose regime they were under. Um, but it, it was sort of a, like an unrest in Haiti going on at the time of the story as well. Mm -hmm. And then the second story um, is during the same unrest and it's about a different family. And it's about uh, this guy who they're in danger of losing their house and essentially go, he goes to like this lawyer guy to try to get him help. Lawyer's like, Oh, you know, yeah, pay me this amount of money and I'll help you guys get out of this. It'll say that you own this title free and free and clear. They can't seize it. And he's like, well, send your daughter back with the money. So, you know, what that meant, of course, Okay. Um, you know, they were trying to leverage her to sleep with him in order for her to keep the house. And so, yeah, they just went through all of their emotions. It was, it was so good. Mm. Like, I saw you tweet about it, and I was like, huh. huh. Yeah, and um, friends of the show, Val, shout out to Val, because she actually um, put me onto a few more um, Haitian writers to uh, read some of their stuff, so I'm trying to get into it. I'm trying to read diversely. Girl, a little bit, a little bit. Oh. I'm not going to be able to read anything too heavy um, until my class ends, though, because I'm currently going insane. Yeah, you got about a week. Oh my god! Yeah, no, I, I got like four weeks. <laughs> no, I mean in between a break. Between oh, I know. Anyway, anyway. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so. But yeah, love, anger, madness by Marie View Chauvet. Maybe. All right. I'm so sorry. So, it's okay. <laughs> oh, so, and yeah. I will be reading. Um, Christina has another book coming out next week. Does she? So I'll be reading that. Because like that'll be a light read. Christina always has a book coming out. You know yeah. why? Because mm -hmm. Christina is a writing beast. I don't have time for her. I'm like, how? How? <laughs> I don't think I could write at that rate if I had no other things to do and no one to mess with me. Like I just. Anyway, hats off. We've already like... we've already went up for Christina yes. once. And I just am amazed. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like, she's got more in her cannon than. Properly. <laughs> anyway, love y'all. Thank you for listening to the show. Um, sorry we didn't f uh, film. Sorry we didn't uh, have a show last week. We just didn't feel like it. So <laughs> it happens. Sometimes we're overwhelmed. Don't forget if you want to um, enter the contest for the Kindle to tweet, I want to win a Kindle from at better than TM. Right. Tell a friend, tell a friend, tell another friend win things. Alright, that's our show. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you guys next week if we feel like it. Just kidding. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye.